Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and summer continues with more softball. It's a time when pro and international ball is in season, but it's also peak travel ball time, which means a lot of young players are just putting in the work, and we're going to get into that a little bit today. But first, some quick reminders for the show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Believe in Softball is also on YouTube, so subscribe there. The video is great. You get to see the guests the way that I do when they talk. It's really unique and pretty cool. With that said, let's go through today's batting order. First, we'll cover our bases, give you some news and call-outs from around the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview with Tony Rico and Holly Pierce. Now, a lot of background on these two. I'll give you a little bit now. Holly was one of my travel ball coaches back in the day, and Tony was actually my good friend and Stanford teammate, Ashley Hansen's travel ball coach. So not only did they help us on our way to Stanford, but they're doing a ton for the game now together. Then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week, which are tips to help us keep going and get better. All right, let's get started. Covering our bases. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, BELIEVE50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Something else that's starting up pretty soon here is Athletes Unlimited. Season three kicks off this weekend and it's going to run through August. Back on the ESPN family of networks, just like AUX was. In June, And you know what? AUX to me was a nice little appetizer for the main course that is going to be season three. And all of the top finishers from AUX are going to be back. The champ, Danielle O'Toole, Rachel Garcia, and Deja Malipola, and the defensive MVP, Sis Bates. They're all coming back. Everybody did media day. They did their first scrimmages. They are ready. And so are we. The week one captains... Also pick up right where season two left off. You have the champ from last year, Alicia Ocasio, Amanda Chittister, and Carrie Eberly from the top three, and Morgan Zirkel, who finished sixth, actually, in the last two seasons and fourth in AUX. So she's one to keep your eye on in season three. And you know what? I just, I'm looking forward to all of it, and I, I really love seeing our favorites back in action, but I'm also really excited about the new faces and just seeing how they're going to shake things up, because I think that's why AU is so much fun. So when it comes to the rookies, you look at Rachel Lewis. I mean, come on. She was a part of the best super regional ever when she helped lead Northwestern against ASU in Tempe this past season to make it to the Women's College World Series. So now we're going to see that grit going pro. Then there's Mia Davidson, who became one of my favorites to watch, as you guys know, at Mississippi State. She hit a home run in the scrimmages, so she's off to a good start. And I just love how much she loves softball and her teammates. So excited to see that. Then there's Kiki Stokes O'Connor, who is not a professional softball rookie overall by any means, but it's her first Athletes Unlimited season specifically. She's a friend of the show. She was a season two guest, 
And I'm just excited for her to get this opportunity. And you guys know how I love seeing coaches who still play and they can kind of show up the young ones and show them what it's all about. I think it's fun. Then speaking of which, newly announced Duke assistant coach Sydney Romero is playing with the new grad Peyton St. George. So this kind of Duke connection, it warms obviously head coach Marissa Young's heart as well as mine and kind of cool too, because throw this in there, Amanda Chittister picked her on her team. She actually coached her early on when she was at Duke as well. So just full circle moments. I love it. Dial me them up all the time. And there's a full circle moment in another area of pro softball too. WPF is expanding. Oklahoma City is going to have a team, the OKC Spark, join for the 2023 season in June next year. It is the third franchise that the league has solidified in this first year of operation. We've been watching the Vipers and the Pride. Now the Spark are joining. So to me, though, what's cool is that it's a personal win, really, for Commissioner Lauren Chamberlain, because we know about her OU ties and just her experience in Oklahoma City at the World Series. And it's the softball capital. The Hall of Fame is there, right? And Patty Gasso said it too, you know, where else would you want a team for something like this? So pretty awesome. The owners as well, Tina and Robert Floyd. So they're business owners and Oklahoma natives. And Tina has been a longtime OU softball supporter. She is the first female owner in WPF history, obviously very early on in the history, but still sets a good tone for really this movement for women to to show that the WPF is eating at their own restaurant, you know. And then we also obviously want to protect her dream when it comes to the young players in the travel ball system. Nationals are happening. That's what time of year it is. PGF Nationals in SoCal are going on. 18 and under playing at the Huntington Beach Sports Complex. And it just brings back memories for me all the time. I played so many times there growing up. And it was back when we actually used to do like ASA nationals and stuff. It were the tournaments leading up to what were nationals in Oklahoma City in the summers. But now the landscape has just evolved a ton. And PGF is right there in the heart of Southern California. In addition to that, Alliance Fast Pitch is back with the championship series right now, too. We talked about this back in season one when it was first announced and in season two when Alliance had the first championship series. Really, this this setup is supposed to mirror more of the college season structure. It's focused on personal development opportunities as well for the athletes and the coaches. There are big names on board with Alliance Fast Pitch, and our guests today were actually part of it from the beginning. Tony really spearheaded the whole effort. Holly has been there coaching with their team, the Firecrackers, as well from very early on. And like I said, travel ball has changed a lot since I played. And I think they're just trying to bring development back to the forefront and really try to unite travel softball a bit more. Because the thing about growth is that it's growing in all different directions, but just to bring it together is going to be nice. And I think we're going to get a sense of how they think, Holly and and Tony, today. So they're, they're playing the championship series in Indiana. 18U and 16U are battling it out. And one thing I saw that was pretty awesome is that they're using a facility that has a 26 field complex with turf fields. I'm just like a little bit mind blown reading that because that just didn't exist when I played, you know, more and more complexes were popping up with a bunch of fields. We even played at some of them for some of the college tournaments I was at like Kajikawa in, in Tempe, but to see them being able to utilize that at this level is, is really cool because for me, I, I remember all of my experiences when it came to nationals, you know, and it was always exciting from, the 12U days of trading the pins with the other teams. And I I still have some of mine framed, by the way, for one of those years. 
but just from that to like opening ceremonies at Hall of Fame Stadium in Oklahoma City. And it was like just weeks after the Women's College World Series. And my senior year was actually just a little bit after some international ball where the Team USA was playing. So it's just really, really cool when you think about it. And it used to coincide with my birthday too, which is coming up on August 9th. And so I used to celebrate in multiple states as a kid. And Nationals just kind of reminds me of all those things and brings those memories back. So because of all of the expansion and just not only in just the organizations, but also the development of young players and all that stuff, since my time, it makes me think, you know, when we talk about growing the, the game and creating more opportunities for women and girls, this is where a lot of it starts. And some people who have deep experience in this are in Indiana right now and who have had a hand in the development of Alliance Fast Pitch and a lot of travel ball are today's guests. So let's head into the interview. He is a longtime leader of the Firecrackers organization, coach for over 30 years, producer of plenty of All-American and international talent, former collegiate baseball player, and the softball Yoda, Tony Rico. (laughs) (laughs) Quite an intro, right? Yeah, I'm good. I've heard it before. (laughs) Thank you. And then she is a San Francisco State pitching alum, coach for over 15 years at the college, travel ball, high school levels, has a master's in sports psychology, and is one of my old travel ball coaches, Holly Pierce. Hi, Holly. Hi. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Like we were saying before we even jumped on, I'm super excited to do this with you guys for multiple reasons. Um, One of them being obviously just to catch up with you, Holly, because it's been forever, just so everybody knows the background. For the listeners, I played for the Jets travel ball team in Southern California my senior year of high school, which was basically started by Holly's family. So let me just start with how are they doing? My family is good. Um, Not really involved in softball anymore. I obviously stuck with it, but um, my dad founded the Jets in 1998, and um, it was formed really actually around my sister because I'm three years older, but um, then it got to a point, I think it was like 16s where they moved up where I could play. And so I played for the Jets. um, And then I coached with my dad. And then I kind of ended up taking over. So now he's not really involved in softball at all. um, But they're good. Um, My dad works a lot, as always. um, But you know, he checks in asks how we're doing periodically. And um, yeah, they're good. My mom actually just bought a house like super close to me. So she lives about five doors down, which is awesome. <laughs> that is amazing. Like babysitter, grandma, all the things all in one. That's perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the other thing too. Is, so you, yeah, go ahead, Tony. So, well, you played for the Jets. Who did you play for before the Jets? I played for the Raiders with Phil Bruder before that. Okay. Okay. Ooh, Phil Bruder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Okay, I know. Got it. Throwback, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's just that could be a topic in itself, right there with Phil, right? Easily, I know. Should probably get him on the show because that would definitely be entertaining. I think everybody could get, could agree on that one. <laughs> Def- it won't be boring, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. And with Holly too, I mean, it's just again more context. I know you were asking too before, Tony. We also went to high schools down the street from each other, basically rival high schools. Wow. We didn't get to play against each other. We didn't cross over, but you know, from the same area. Gotta love Ventura yeah. County. <laughs> it is a uh, very small little bubble. <laughs> really is. Still is. For sure. Well, and then with you, Tony, I think this is the first time we're actually ever chatting, but 
one of my Stanford teammates, really good friend of mine, who was actually the second guest ever on this show, played for you. And I think you know I'm talking about Ashley Hansen. Yes. <laughs> and she's great. Just got some exciting news. I don't know if, if you've spoken to her, but and I don't know if I can disclose it. So I'll just leave it as she got some really exciting news regarding Stanford. And I'm super excited for her. That is awesome. Wait, I was just texting her earlier today. So now this is cryptic and I'll have to follow up with her. But she actually told yeah, me. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to get in trouble for saying something, but it's, it's, uh, it's recognition well-deserved and definitely super exciting because she was one hell of a player. Okay. Probably still is if you want to. I think I know what it is. Um, and maybe we'll let the listeners try to guess in the meantime, but she did tell me, maybe you talked to her earlier today, but I talked to her a little bit ago and she was like, can you tell Tony to text me back? Cause I'm in Huntington beach and I <laughs> would like to see him. So <laughs> probably better off doing it right now. So I don't forget that is so funny how she's people know how to get a hold of me. Actually, I need to catch up with her. She's in the area right now. So I'm super excited about reconnecting with her. So, but just can't be proud enough of that young lady. I know she's great. And her, the family she's built also is amazing. I feel the need to ask you though, obviously I have plenty of stories, but do you have any embarrassing or just fun stories about Ashley to share? She'll kill me, but it's okay. No, I have a great one. So um, we do something called drink, drink tax and tip where we take all of our players, sit them at one table and they all have to order and put their, uh, put their, their orders on one check. Students know, know having their parents kind of order for them. And so we felt it was important for our players to understand the total cost of food and not just the general cost of food because how many times have coaches or parents taking kids out, then they end up $50, $100 out of pocket. Sure. So it's it can be quite painstaking. It takes a little while for everyone to figure out what it is that they ordered, how much it costs, and how much it's going to be. And they all put it into one cash pile. And the accountant is usually one of the more intelligent ones. So in this case, it was Ashley Hansen. Uh, she's the one that collects all the money, uh, looks at the total order. They include drink, tax, and tip. And then she brings it to me, and, and we figure out the total. So we're at BJ's in Colorado one year, and Ashley comes up routine by then counts it all out here's with a tip boom boom and she walks out and we leave the restaurant ashley calls me about an hour later and said that her parents had stayed in the restaurant with some other parents and that the manager came up to her to the group of parents and said your team shorted our the bill on the uh on what for what they paid so ashley tells me ashley says tony i figure you want to take care of this so that i don't have to so that sounds like ashley she was only like 17 or 18. <laughs> she says but here was the number here's exactly what it was and they're wrong so i thought mm. so i actually went down to the restaurant and i pulled the manager aside and i said look if we need to do this we can do this but i'm telling you i'm going to bet money that you weren't shorted and for whatever reason. And anyways, he went and got the bill. He apologized. I had to follow up with Ashley because I was more nervous on that end of it that I wasn't doing my job. So she held the restaurant accountable when they were accused of shortchanging it. And that was just the way Ashley's mind worked. Her IQ is so hard or so high, high on and off the field. So that was a pretty fun experience with the one that stands out definitely. That is definitely on brand. I can see that. And she yeah. was one of the ones on the team who had a more like technical major. Like meanwhile, I'm studying communication and media studies, right? She's like management science and engineering and taking the math classes and doing all the things. So that I feel like it actually sounds familiar too. I want to say she might have told me about that, like at some of our, our college team dinners and yeah. stuff. That is perfect. <laughs> Of all the years we've done it, I've never had anyone call me and say, hey, go back and fix this so I don't have to. So, <laughs> But that was just one story of hers. Yeah, she was great. 
Yeah, love that. Well, see, between her and that connection, and then obviously my personal connection with you, Holly, it makes me really happy to see the two of you doing what you're doing with the range, with firecrackers, with everything. I've just loved to watch you guys. And that's why I'm really excited for us to get to do this and and in this forum too, but even just to get to catch up and chat in general. So I would love to ask you, how was the range born? Like, how did it come to be that you two teamed up and decided to do this? I'll start with the the inception. The concept of the the system that we use, I, I was a pitcher in college, a converted shortstop, and then ended up in the bullpen. And we had a very efficient system. It was a pretty renowned program, and it was just basically locating pitches. We really concentrated on the destination destination of the pitch, and that's what our coach and system obsessed on. So it's something that I've always utilized in softball because I'm not a softball pitcher. I never understood the mechanics. I certainly don't teach the the pitch itself. And so it's something that we had used for quite a long time, but in thinking about all pitchers in our industry and trying to give them more value, um, Holly really stepped in and took it a step further. So I often describe her as the brains and the brand of the of the range. So anybody that's seen it online, all the colors, the whole schematics, everything, the presentation, the storytelling, that is all Holly. So she's the brains and the brand. I'm the crazy coach that's been using it for a while, but I'll let her describe kind of how we came together and where she kind of took the ball from there and turned it into what it is now. So for me, I think, what was it, like five, six years ago um, when we retired the Jets and I came to Firecrackers and I was, you know, when you're on the outside of Firecrackers and you don't really know what goes on on the inside, you can have a lot of um, judgments or opinions on like the way that they do things. It's different. It's, you know, it's kind of a cult and they're drinking the Kool-Aid and like everybody's just so all in. So from the outside, you know, I was one of those people that when I came to firecrackers, like I was really excited for the opportunity, but I also, you know, I'm just a very free thinker and I'm like, I'm not going to drink the Kool-Aid. Like they've got to kind of prove it to me. I need to know the system works, you know? I mean, they just do things differently. And so I didn't immediately buy into every single thing that, you know, the system was or what the system did. I had to see it work and really understand it. And he, you know, he brought me in as a pitching manager, not a pitching coach, which was my first time really um, understanding the importance of having a person um, that helped pitchers in a more well-rounded way, not just the, the mechanics of it. Yeah. So, you know, the more that I saw this system working for our pitchers and, um, and you know, I kind of looked, started to reflect back on all the times and years that we had played them. And, you know, I remember even when you were on the team, I'm pretty sure that we played them in Colorado in like a top 10 type game. And, you know, they always had like great athletes, you know, the the Lauren Chamberlains and Jessica Schultz and those, you know, kind of star athletes. But as far as pitching, very like talented pitchers, but not like the shiny all, all the time, you know, like the kind the that wow everybody, but they got the job done. They won. And so when I started reflecting back on my experiences of always feeling like, how are we not hitting this girl? Like what's like, you know, I just, I never got it, you know, sometimes, but yeah. it wasn't this flashy, shiny thing, but they worked ahead. Then they moved the ball off the plate and then they changed speeds and they just produced outs. And so again, once I started to understand the system reflected back and understood that that's why they had so much success against us personally. Um, I just, I really bought like a thousand percent in on it and um, really started to see how much more value 
uh, we could bring to pitchers by implementing this system over just talking about mechanics. Um, so last year, two years ago, I was, I think about in, in Oklahoma, um, he asked if I wanted to meet and had an idea to throw at me. And he kind of threw this concept of creating something around the system that we work with firecrackers. And then we just kind of put it together. And I did most pretty much all the branding and all that kind of stuff and kind of ran with it. So, um, yeah. She sent me some drawings, like the logo behind me. Yeah. And actually this is, this is probably your first design, right? I mean, this yeah. is pretty close. So different colors, different, uh, kind of color combinations, but right away I was like, wow, like, okay, th this is pretty creative. And to be honest with you, I mean, she's got the little bullseye in there. And so it just kind of ran from there. But most of all, the, the concept of doing something on a bigger level was I just felt like, and I think we both agree that there's too many pitchers that don't realize their value. It's like it's only based on if they throw hard enough or if they're winning. And it's just kind of sad to think that there aren't enough pitchers out there that are enjoying their own sense of um, of of certainty and their own level of capability. And this is something that's worked for us. Like Holly said, we didn't always have the best pitchers per se talent wise, but they executed something that was very efficient and it worked. And so we really want to share this. I really want others and as many pitchers as possible to feel what it is that we're teaching. And so, so far it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And she's, I said, she's telling a great story online. She is because when I say that I have seen certain videos or seen some content, like it's all everything that Holly's been putting out there. And I will say I was going to tell you guys before even knowing the background on the exact branding that I love the logo and the color scheme and everything. But the logo in particular, knowing a little bit about and I'd love to hear more, of course, but your ring system that you have with your pictures and seeing that bullseye and, and everything that's incorporated into it 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 makes sense that like that was very thought out right and intentional and i think it's it it really has been the difference maker that i can see in terms of yeah who we play against holly you're right i remember playing the firecrackers and it was tough <laughs> right like back in the day and um just understanding like what that difference is between like good and great and i feel like what you guys are doing does that and really harps on it. If you actually, if you both had to define what that is, like what is the difference between good and great in that way? How would you frame it? Reliability. I think that, um, I think that good players, they have uh, moments of, of great. And then, I mean, the game in general, you know, there's ups and downs. Of course, there's nobody's perfect all the time, but I think great players have us have reliability like they they do things like with consistency and to me that's one of the biggest things that this system has shown me that um you know it just creates consistency and reliability with pitchers yeah and i would say self-perception uh, uh creating a a more truthful honest but a confident empowering self-perception so you know, everything that we find in pictures that we bring out is all truth. There's nothing, there's no make-believe, there's no anything. It's your ability to kind of put the ball where it is. There's all different perspectives. It's like um, the hitting industry or pitching in industry. You know, everyone's got different opinions and everyone's got a different flavor or flair for how they do it and what they believe in. And, and our industry, just in my opinion, has always been kind of very competitive, maybe even a little insecure where it's like, oh, kind of knocking each other down. We, we kind of look at it as everyone's a chef. 
right? And everyone just cooks differently. And so we're not trying to change anything. We're just offering a different perception. Um, but for me, it, it is that self-perception of I can do this. I am good enough. You know, we don't have anything like a belt system that they have in martial arts or, mm. you know, any type of certification. So, you know, how often have we heard players playing this game 10, 12 years and then either a pitch doesn't go where they want it to or they don't hit the ball they want to, where they want to or how they want to. And then they tell you the first thing they tell you is what they did wrong. And I'm like, my, my mind doesn't work that way. I, I always expect to have an outcome that I'm surprised when it doesn't happen, then I'll fix that. So it's almost like the other end of it. Uh, we say all the time, and she's mentioned it in social media, you know, we don't do things to be different, but we do things differently. But I think the irony for anyone that would be listening is that when you really listen to it, uh, her psychological concepts are 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 very academic. So not everyone's heard of those. But when you actually think about the concept of the range, anybody can do it. Anybody can teach it. Um, there's no age requirement. There's no level. You could be, it could be your first day pitching. And so liken it to like maybe going to a carnival and trying to hit a milk jug and win a prize, right? Yeah. And you get three balls. So you miss right, you miss left until you finally hit the milk. So it, it really focuses on the destination of the pitch. But it starts with self-perception. You have to understand that you have the ability to do this and that you're not being measured by whether you hit the spot or not or whether you hit the target. It's kind of a system around that uh, concept. So it's been a lot of fun so far, and it's been great to see the students realize and that realization come true and then them bring the stories back to Holly and myself of what's starting to happen now differently in their process of how they play the game. Yeah. And I actually saw on social media, so I, I called you the softball Yoda, Tony, uh, in your intro, but I saw, I think Holly did this, right? Cause she does all the branding, her call you the softball Yoda and her, you're the academic, right, Holly? And I think that's really cool because <laughs> in both ways though, it's very, very focused on mental side, way more than the physical side. And that's what has struck me the most. And even if you look at your website, the way you guys list out like, hey, here's what we focus on. We talk about behavior, game knowledge, ownership, those things are really more mental than anything else. Yeah. And I think it's cool to have that sort of that background that you have, Holly, being with the sports psychology. And then actually, Tony, the, one of the things Ashley mentioned to me when I was like, hey, what should I ask him about? She was like, I think he is so good at the mental side of the game, especially with young female athletes. And that's where he has changed the game. And so to see that that's really both of your focus and to see that come to fruition in this way is really, really cool. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. But again, I, I just think that the concepts are so stupid simple <laughs> that I want everyone to understand there's there's nothing real proprietary other than the brand and, and how we're doing things. But it really concentrates instead of how you're doing something, get into the mindset that you're strategizing and competing. So even though a lot of these young players don't play chess or checkers, but it's very much about I have a set of uh, uh, pieces in front of me, tools, what do I want to do? How do I want to use them? What just happened and what's going to happen next? And it's a constant forward moving. Yeah. Holly comes in, comes in and describes the actual psychological process. So when they start understanding the different type of goal settings, how you can get there, uh, not focusing on just outcomes, even though emotionally that registers the strongest with us people, our coaches, our parents, but really focusing on that process. And it, again, it's really magical to not only see the physical game change, but the way that our, our students tell their story. So they no longer just come in and say, I did bad because I got hit or I lost, but they tell a story of what happened. And now a home run to them is a mistake over the zone, over the middle of the plate. So all pitchers do it, every level has it, and but they're no longer defining themselves. And I think she can go into that about how we like to see our players no longer define themselves about by their outcome, but really about what they know about themselves. 
Yeah, Holly, do you want to dig deeper into that? Because I feel like from what I've seen, that is like your wheelhouse with what you guys are doing. Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, going off also just what he said about um, our, I think the biggest thing for me is that our pitchers start to see the game differently. We talk about um, having a set of glasses on and then they just see the game in a different way, whether it's their own game, whether it's watching a game, you just start to just notice different things, see different things. And um, when they play the game like that, I mean, you can start to take some of the emotion out of the failures in a, in a way like they're, you know, obviously we have that competitive fire and trust me, like I hate, hate to lose. Like, but when you see the game a certain way um, and like he said that um, the outcome is just really the result of, for instance, missing over the white of the plate, it's like, okay, it's a, two ball adjustment. That was two balls from being a really good pitch. I just left a little more over the plate. It's not, I'm a bad pitcher. Um, but when you see the game like that, you, you don't see yourself as a failure. It's just a mistake that happened. We, 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 our classes are divided into two sections. So the first 45 minutes, they're 90 minute classes. The first 45 minutes, we invite all the uh, players and their parents into an area where we either so recently what we've been doing since it's baseball season is we turn a baseball game on live and they're right away they show the strike zone, you know, in the baseball game. Yep. So the very first thing we'll do is we'll go, okay, so what's the count? And and our pitchers kind of understand that it comes down to basically where you're placing the ball. So the hitters are looking for a mistake inside that strike zone, right? And pitchers are trying to put it all around that strike zone unless they have something unique with speed or spin or something like that. And so we'll just start one on one count. What's the score? Okay, what do you think is going to happen? They're, she's going to pitch it lower than the box or outside of the box. And then he's either going to swing at it or not. So it's kind of cool that we could take a live game and then just talk about the concepts and go, well, let's watch this pitcher and, and hitter play chess. Yeah. Right. So who's making a move? What's kind of happened? And then what's the outcome? The outcome is just a story. So you look at it as a story and not so much again as a definition or how good or bad you are. Now, obviously, as she said, the more consistent you can be, because even on the other side of that, okay, you threw a great game, right? You threw a shutout, you threw a no hitter. And, and yeah, we want you to feel like you're the greatest pitcher in the world, but we also want you to come off and say, look, I've managed myself, right? I've managed my behavior, my routine. Uh, I was breathing. I was making adjustments. My defense, obviously, you, you didn't strike everybody out. So you start to look at all those controllable aspects of it, and slowly you start to shift the way the players are not only seeing it, because everyone can nod their head and understand what we're talking about. Yeah. But you know, I think all three of us know that once game time starts – and the motions start going, you know, the game plan goes right out the door. And the biggest thing I think that for all players uh, and coaches involved is that they don't learn to slow the game down enough. Yeah. So we're really big into routines. We're really big into, you know, we tell our kids all the time, the deep breath is not glamorous, right? But it's it's critical to like self-preservation and functioning under crisis times and things like that. So we kind of look at the discomfort of the game and we really try to train them for that. And then again, listening to them tell the stories of how they handled it is just, uh, that's been the game changer for us because we're going on just about a year now of our classes and it's been extremely rewarding. So much so that we're in a new facility right now. We really haven't created anything else other than range classes. This is pretty much what we're doing full time in here. And then she just uh, launched an online range club as well. And so that uh, took place about a month ago. And so, yeah, we're just excited about continuing to get more people to say, take a look or get them to take a look, knowing that they're skeptical and they don't like to change things. But I think if you watch what we're doing, I would encourage anyone to check it out online um, on social media. I think they'll go, hmm, 
that really makes sense. And I think another point I'd like to make is that, you know, we're not trying to influence anybody or anything. We're just telling a story. But I, we've seen other instructors and other pitching academies, I, I think what they've done is say, hey, wait a minute, we know that stuff too. So we're seeing, seeing more strategical talks. We're seeing more people talk about, you know, account management, different things like that, which again, that's the fun part of playing the game for me. It's just like, how are we playing it? So it's kind of interesting. I've told Holly that I think we're influencing things in a really good way because how do people not sit there and look at it and go, wait a minute, we know that stuff. I was a successful pitcher and just adding in a addition to what they already teach as instructors. Right. See, that is something that I think you guys have hit on that is really key because we talk about being a student of the game a lot. We talk about that. But to truly be a student is doing this kind of learning that you guys are talking about. Like, yeah, you're in the classroom and you're watching film and you're doing all these things before you even actually step on the rubber. You know, like that is the really, really important part. And I've seen that in a lot of the content you guys have put out, which I think is fantastic. Because it comes down to something that I saw you guys put on your website, which I think is a great way to phrase this, which is some pitchers know how to throw pitches. Our pitchers know how to pitch. And to actually know how to pitch, to your guys' point, is all of these other things. Things are simple. Like like you said, it's very simple concepts, but not easy to do and execute. And so Mm -hmm. you guys are really putting it all together for pitchers so that they have all the information to then go out there and and basically execute the plan and make adjustments as needed. And I just think that is huge because, you know, when I was, when we used to go to pitching lessons, Holly, we didn't get this kind of stuff. You know, like this is not how it was back in the day. It was like, you learn how to throw a curveball, you learn how to do something else, you get the reps in, you know, but the mental part was not nearly as huge as it is now. And I think in addition to technology, I'd love to hear what you guys think, but it's probably one of the biggest game changers that has up-leveled softball as a whole is the mental just aspect of it. I think you use some key terms. So in addition to, right. So in addition to the fact that you understand the importance of your mechanics, understand the importance of spins and movement, all of those things that have been, that have been a priority and they should be, but you know, Holly talks about, and this is something in the area that I function most as a coach, it's functionality. Yeah. Right. It's being able to complete the task at hand. So I can't tell you how many times and I think our alumni would tell you any of our pitchers. I just said I, I would tell them, I don't care how you throw it. I don't need to know how you throw it differently. I need this ball to go to this spot because they're going to hit it this way. So, you know, we we have these taglines, you know, control the location, control the contact, control the at bat, control the game. And if you think about it, even at the very highest level, they're still going to make a certain amount of mistakes. I mean, major league pitchers make on the average of 20 to 40 mistakes a game, right? A great softball pitcher, you're probably talking about five to 10 mistakes a game. And there's other ways to to strategize and compete against corner pitching and off the plate and different things like that. But as far as driving the ball, which is the most glamorous part of the offensive game for a lot of people who are watching, it really comes down to not putting the ball over the the middle of that plate. So that concept can start at a very young age and being able to just start with a fastball and a changeup, you know? So, so again, we want to be very encouraging to all players, all coaches, all levels that there's no requirement for this other than, again, just think of it like, uh, you know, you're at recess or at the carnival and you're simply just trying to hit the target. Yeah, right. And it's interesting because we we keep going back to this theme of like simplifying certain things. But by doing that in a way, it's you're still up leveling um, what pitching is or what these young ladies are doing. Like, for example, Holly, I saw one of the videos that you posted at some point because I've seen plenty. But you said 
that your goal and what you're trying to do here is to revolutionize pitching, essentially. And I think it's a cool irony, though, that you're doing that by simplifying it in a way if that makes sense. Yeah, I just I want to change. I want to change the way that pitchers see the game. Like I talked about, we talked about putting on different pair of glasses, um, change the way that they see the game, change their experience for themselves, um, really change the way that we talk about pitching um, on social media. Because I think social media is so influential in the way that pitchers see and feel about themselves and their confidence, you know, and well, I don't throw that hard and all these people are posting, you know, where they're going to school or how hard they're throwing or, you know, it's really easy to sit there and compare and then see your own worth start to, you know, become minimized because you're, you're comparing all of these aspects of the game that aren't necessarily, you know, requirements for winning or for being successful. Um, You know, throwing super hard, that's great. It's not a requirement to have success on the field. Um, you know, even spin rate, spin rate. Awesome. Like if you're in that top, you know, 1% where you're just missing bats and getting tons of swings and misses, that's great too. But also not a requirement for success in the game. If you don't have those things, it doesn't mean you can't still be successful. So I think in revolutionizing the game, it's just revolutionizing the way that pitchers look at what it takes to be successful. And when you realize that there's a lot of things within your control that um, can help you be successful. Like there's, you know, I can do, I can work speed after speed after speed and lift and whatever. I'm never going to throw 72 miles an hour. It's just my body's not made. I'm not going to, you know, and same, same goes for spin or like if you look about, look at it in terms of, you know, uh, home to first, right? Like there's some people that are never going to run a 2.8 or 2.6. Like it's just physically not going to happen. It doesn't mean that they don't have value. And, um, can't utilize the tools that they do have and learn to win with what they have. Um, so I think that's really in revolutionizing the game. What I mean is just changing the way that pitchers see um, themselves and what it takes to be successful. Yes. And I go back and think of Ashley Hansen, right? Mm-hmm. So she wasn't the fastest runner. It wasn't the hardest thrower, didn't have the most power. And she was NCAA player of the year because she put it all together, all the intangibles. And she absolutely deserved that recognition because of how she played the game. Again, to Holly's point, everybody can learn to play the game a certain way. And when you listen to someone that understands a higher level of training, even with all the technology and all of the things that are into it, but it's really simplified. You know, as far as batting goes, how many times have we heard the post-game interview after the game-winning home run? So tell us about that at bat, and you hear over and over and over, ninety percentile, ninety percent or more of the, the the players saying, "I was just looking for a good pitch and I got it." Yeah. Right. So now I'm in this moment, this historical moment, but honestly, I'm looking for a good pitch and I got it. So it's just simplifying it and getting back to that point. And again, to watch these players get to that point, uh, it's very rewarding because the earlier that they can start to see the game that way, the earlier that now they can start to just only move forward and then just problem solve as problems come ahead. Uh, but they can really start to evolve mentally and become even more resilient. And we use a lot of analogies. We, we talk about a lot of different professions. So whether it's veterinarians, pilots, you know, law enforcement, military, that there's always a certain type of training that kind of counterbalances your natural emotional mode. But if you think about it in softball, we don't really have that realization. So what controls it for most players? 
coaches and parents is the emotional component. Yet in the professional world, that's not what controls anything. So you recognize it, but you have to go, what have I been trained to do? And uh, again, the simplicity is really something that we're going after. Yes. Well, I, I think it's, I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like learning things and thinking about how to apply them to my life. Right. And I think that's, that's the clear thing is that this goes way beyond pitching, right? Obviously that's, you know, the avenue that you guys work in on a day-to-day basis and that's what you're doing and all that stuff. But like this, this goes way beyond it. It could be, it seems to me, it's easy to apply a lot of these principles to other positions on the field. It's easy to apply it to completely outside of softball altogether. And um, that is the part that I think in college, it can be tough, you know, like the transition to freshman year and all that stuff. But that is the part that I think is real preparation for the next level and just for anything that could happen in life. And that's that's what I learned the most in college. And it's it's it makes me happy to hear that I think more young players, even before college, are starting to learn these lessons that I learned later. I think it's a great point because, you know, they come in here for the pitching part of what we're doing, but we talk about posture and the way they sit in a chair. We Mm -hmm. talk about how they speak for themselves. So we're really talking about dignity, integrity, uh, the way that they have their own sense of honor for themselves, uh, you know, affirmations, all different types of things. And I I think you'll agree. And I think all players agree that when you're playing, you don't prioritize this stuff and you really don't realize it, even though in the moment you understand it, but it's when you're done playing and you realize that, you know, you played for a life-changing program. You know, I tell all players that they're lucky if they play for one life-changing coach. Yeah, ideally, every coach should be this and that. But really, if you can just play for one that really took things to another level, you're going to remember those things 20 years later and not so much the scores and outcomes of so many of the games. So it's a very rewarding part of what we're doing. You know, our classes are really about the process. And, um, you know, going back to what we said about how these concepts are very simple, but you know, how many people are really implementing them or how much time do you spend, you know, compared with the the time you spend on other things. Um, And, you know, so many people say like, trust the process or, you know, it's something that you hear obviously, but how many people really talk the process? How many people are really prioritizing the process? And what are people most reactive to? Because most coaches are going to talk about um, the process, but then they're most reactive to outcomes, you know, when when you make a physical error or whatever. So they can say that, but what are you reacting to and what are you really prioritizing um, on a daily basis? And, you know, for these classes, the process is about making adjustments. It's about breathing. It's about, um, you know, our thought patterns and the things that we're thinking um, about just applying like those simple things, but actually practicing and doing it and not just talking about it. You know, we put our girls in front of the mirror and practice breathing, practice their routines. Um, At the end of every class, we uh, end with a competition. And the reason for that is to try and introduce a little bit of stress into the classroom where they do have to rely on their routines and start to slow themselves down. And it's funny because when, when we do that, it's like the girls are so competitive, but um, all of a sudden they need rosin and their hands are sweating and they start to speed things up. And it's very, um, you know, relatable to a real actual game, even though they're only playing for like candy or whatever prizes we have in our, our little range uh, prize mall. But um, you know, introducing stress in classes sometimes so that they have to start to really implement um, their routines, their breathing, like I said, slow, slowing the game down um, and not focusing on the outcome, not focusing on 
winning the game, but on the adjustments, on the little things and letting the result take care of itself. Because, you know, again, people talk about it, but results are, um, you know, a byproduct of doing the little things. It's about the little things, but coaches, are they reactive to the little things or are they reactive to the big things, you know, losing a game or when you strike out or whatever, you know? So I think that, that we do um, that a lot on our team and he's really good about that like you said, it can relate really to any position. And offensively, it's like, you know, are you reactive because the batter struck out or are you praising them because they had a great routine and they were breathing and they picked good pitches to swing at? Those are the little things. And, um, you know, so just sticking to the process, understanding the process and placing more weight and importance on process than outcomes Um, that's what our classes are all about. I'm really glad you pointed that out because that is one of my favorite things to point out if I'm calling a game, for example, is I'll mention if I'm doing a Stanford game, let's say Jessica Allister, you'll see her kind of like clapping and getting really excited if someone just has like a good foul ball. You know, it's like they didn't get a hit or anything, but she's just happy with whatever adjustment they made from pitch to pitch or just in general. It's so important, I think, to your point that coaches reinforce it's like we say what's important, but they, it needs to be reinforced what's really important. Um, that is such a key point, such a key point. We, we talk about that during competition because acknowledging, you know, the decisions that your teammates are making, acknowledging the adjustments, adjust, uh, acknowledging, you know, the good timing, maybe later on an off-speed pitch as opposed to and fouling the ball off. So there's no outcome there. But, and it's not for this purpose, but I tell them, imagine you're on the other side of the field and you're hearing this team get excited about things that you don't even know why they're getting excited. Even that starts to get in your head because we know that so many players are, are untrained in that area. And so what ends up happening is the things that you want the most, you think about the least and then you get them more often. It's, it's just you, once you understand that. And then I would say if there's any dads or men that are new to the softball industry and are coming over from baseball. I mean, Mike Kendria told me this a long time ago, and I think it's really important because it relates to why, you know, our competition is for candy and why she has so many videos of them dancing. You know, these young ladies have to feel good to play good. And us guys, we have to play good to feel good. So there's the, there's the contradiction in what happens in the car ride home afterwards. So if there's any guys out there to fast forward your learning curve is that the better that your daughters and players feel, the more likely they are to, to be in a good state of mind, to just allow themselves to express themselves and look at softball, almost like dancing, right? So when you, you're in a carefree state of mind and you're just expressing yourself and not worrying about how you're doing things, you know, again, it's more entertaining, it's more engaging. And then when things fall in place, you've mastered that process or at least trying to, it, it's the ultimate way to play the game. And you just really don't want to go back to anything else because you realize that it's, even though it's more evolved, it's really, again, just simplifying things. And I can't state enough that this is available for anybody. Anybody can think the game at a higher level once they learn to just tune out the noise of their emotions. Yeah. Yeah. I think the celebrating the wins basically piece that you mentioned. Actually, Holly, this reminds me because I felt like you guys were really good at that with the Jets even before I was on the team. Like when I was on the Raiders, I remember we were warming up near you guys. We were about to play you at the time. And I think I heard, so I don't even remember who it was, but someone on the Jets said, you know, oh yeah, what, wait, what's, the, how do we figure out how to get to them last time we played them? Oh yeah, we just have to like get, get a lot of energy going and, and kind of like 
cheer really loud and just like kind of take over control in that way. And I remember I heard that and I like told my teammates and we got all like riled up about it. But the point was, I felt like the Jets were really good. And this is when I was on the team as well at kind of creating that energy. And I felt like you were a big part of that. So that's, I can see that now in what you're doing here. Thank you. Yeah. I, um, you know, I think that, um, just being all in on anything, you know, like, and, and uh, there was a quote that I read a long time ago and it's always stuck with me. Like nothing great is ever accomplished without enthusiasm. And, um, you know, I think sometimes in sports, it's like we hold ourselves back from being all in on something because when you fail, it hurts a lot more when you're a hundred percent in on something. So I think for a lot of players, especially when they're not, you know, maybe performing well, they kind of, go one foot in, one foot out, tell themselves, I don't really care that much or, you know, whatever, just because it's easier to cope with those feelings of failure when your heart's not fully in that moment or whatever it is. So um, you just kind of, you know, you check out a little bit. And um, but then the like the successes are not as rewarding. And I think that for me that I've always tried to instill in the girls is just be all in, be all in on whatever you're doing, be all in on it. And you know, the successes are just so much more rewarding when you've put everything into something. And um, that goes along with, you know, enthusiasm, just just caring, like care about what you're doing. Yeah. I'd like to share some for the first time, maybe with you, Holly. I don't think I've said this before. I was just thinking of this right now, but I was thinking of the Jets, right? And all the years that we competed against them, uh, they were as emotionally consistent as any team we ever played. So regardless of, of how the game, the outcome of the game, the Jets were always very consistent. You never really got them down on themselves. They never really beat themselves. It was always just a very emotionally consistent operation. I think it reflected her dad. I think Craig Pierce, you know, has a certain temperament. And then the perspective that I know that her mom and her dad have both kind of taught her growing up definitely factors into now what I understand about the Jets. And then, you know, we're fortunate enough to have it over here with the Firecrackers and now being a business partner with her. Um, but it's it was a very emotional consistent operations so you know you weren't going to get them all too high and we're going to get them too too low and that was always it was always very enjoyable to play them because there was always a level of respect and there was always good competition so but i just realized that in listening to you talk about that that yeah they were extremely consistent in all the years that we competed i i just always believe i don't even know who told me this a long time ago is like don't ride the emotional roller coaster you know don't um get too too high or too too low and you know it's just it's so predictable for a person to be like all in when you're doing great. And then, you know, all of a sudden you are, you know, like complaining and you don't care and, you know, whatever. And you stop cheering because your team's losing. Um, I, I think that that emotional consistency is a sign of emotional maturity and, um, you know, being able to process your feelings in a, in a healthy way. It's not to get too deep into all that, but, um, it's, it's just continuing, like I said, continuing to be all in, not just on your best days, but on, every day, like all the time, just whatever you're doing, like be all in on it, be where your feet are. And, you know, don't, don't ever get too low because you're, you're much more likely to stay stuck in those low points if you let your emotions go there. You know what I mean? If yeah. you just try and just ride it out and stay consistent with your emotions, Usually you don't stay low too long. Yeah. Well, and let's be honest. That's what college coaches are looking for. If you're trying to get recruited, they want the emotionally or maybe mature 
person, right? And they don't want the person who's checking out when they're struggling. That's not a good teammate. That's not good for the team. You know, that's that's not how you build a culture, which is really important. And especially with women, like you said, Tony, to be successful, like you have to feel good. And that doesn't make anyone feel good, even yourself. Yeah. So allow them to sing, allow them to dance before the game, <laughs> allow them to do what they're doing. It's That's all part of like how she feels about herself. And the better she feels about herself, again, the more carefree she's going to play. You know, it's, it's again, I could say it's easy to understand, nod my head. It's taken a lot of years to really, uh, it's always constantly evolving. And I would say for anyone from my generation, a little more old school, I'm a son of a World War II veteran. And so it's like, suck it up and, you know, always, you know, don't show emotion and this and be in charge. But then I would encourage anybody that's out there that's of another generation to listen to the intelligence and what's happening with this generation as far as being in touch with your feelings. You know, I remember the first time that Holly asked me if I was mad and I, my first answer was like, why are you asking? I'm not showing anything. Like I didn't say anything. And she's like, no, like, are you mad? Like I'm asking you, like, it's not like you're showing it and you're not, you're doing something. I I'm asking you how you feel. And I, I was like, what do you mean? And that's a, you know, change for anybody is not comfortable. Right. And, but it's very empowering when you realize, and again, it's more of a challenge to not just let your emotions or your um, kind of traditional behavior kind of take over, but constantly challenge yourself to continue to learn and evolve because then it's rewarding. And yeah, accountability, having her right there and knowing, you know, if I had that reaction and she would just look at me, yeah, I give it a look. <laughs> and but but when there's respect earned, you don't want to act immature in front of her. So it's not like I don't want to be immature or she's going to say something. It's like no, I really don't want to show that side of myself. I don't want to be that person. I want to be this person. And so you know, for as long as we've done this, and you know, I, I on the outside have been able. I guess that's part of the reputation I've had is to not show things, but to really understand it from an internal level and then to be able to have a discussion afterwards with it, you know, about feelings and things like that. And I'm just laughing because I imagine some, there's got to be some guys out there going, oh gosh, just trust me, dive into it and learn about yourselves because in the end, the people around you are going to benefit the most. I have to add to that, JB. I think you are always really good at that. You are always like so just like same, like, I don't know, you, your emotions really never changed. I don't know how you felt on the inside, but you d certainly couldn't tell on the outside. Like you were su always super consistent, um, consistent emotionally. And I think it's funny. I, I have this memory that sticks out to me um, of, of her that um, we picked when we picked you up. It was, I mean, to pitch, but also to play shortstop. Like you were our starting shortstop. Yeah. And um, yeah. really pretty quickly evolved into our starting pitcher, our number one pitcher. And um, I remember we were at that qualifier in Lake Virginia and we get Virginia Shamrock's first game, which that mm. year their team was like stacked as many years. I remember they had like Dorian Shaw and they had Matt, great, Coon. great yes, lineup. Yes, Cooner. <laughs> and JB no hit them. Remember that? We beat them. Do I don't remember, remember what the score was, but you no hit them. And it was just like, hitting spots, changing speeds, like get rolling up ground balls. And I mean, just producing outs, which is everything that the range is about. And I, I think about that, like from time to time, just how amazing that was to watch you no hit an incredible lineup by just really just producing outs. Very simple, but you know, a lot easier said than done. Right? Shamrocks were the East coast powerhouse back then. And Tommy Orndorff did a great job. So Maddie Kuhn, all those players every year, Dorian Shaw, they were just amazing. So that's that's quite a quite an accomplishment. 
Yeah, thank you. And thank you for bringing that up, Holly. I think about that sometimes too, mainly because of what I learned from it, right? Because I'll be honest, I don't know if you remember this part about that story, but I had just went to grad night and like stayed up all night with all of my classmates and everything at Disneyland, got on a plane first thing in the morning, went literally straight from when the bus dropped me off at, at, at my high school, got on a plane, went to Virginia, and then it was like the next day we played that game. But the thing is, I'm glad that I looked really even keeled on the outside. I think I was when I was younger. And then in college, I started to get too into my head. But that because I was like tired and it was like, you know, I, I basically stopped over overthinking and just had to simplify the way that we're all talking about how you have to do to have that success. Yeah. And so I think back to that sometimes where I'm like, see, when you when you don't think about it too much and you kind of trust what you're doing that's when you have that success. And even if, and I, I'm not thinking about the results, right? They just came. So yes, thank you for bringing that up because I think that's a good example of, of what we're talking about. <laughs> you almost like, it's like almost sometimes I think when you're uh, mentally kind of tired, it's sometimes easier just to get yourself in a rhythm because you're just like kind of going with it, you know? Totally. Like, I, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah, or even when I was sick, I'd have like awesome games because I was just like, I don't feel great. I'm just going to keep this simple, you know? And it's like, yeah. Yeah, you're, I even got to a point where I was like, should I just get sick more often? Not actually, right? But I'm like, I want to have that sick mentality. <laughs> right? But it's 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 part of the crazy part of when you understand really how to play, it's the crazy part of the recipe, right? So when I go slower in my mind, I go faster with my body, yep. right? So a lot of contradictions when you think about the words and different things like that, but it really is the, the point. So when I expect less of myself for whatever reason, injury, sickness, whatever, I end up having some of my better games, right? And right. so again, just interesting to reflect back on, on that type of the learning curve, part of the learning curve. Totally. And actually, Ashley was really great at that. And you kind of mentioned that earlier, Tony, too. I think she and I I had kind of started to un- understand what slowing the game down even meant. You know, freshman year, that's one of the big lessons. Like once you make that transition, she was good at it kind of right away. It's like the game's faster, but you almost have to slow it down even more. And I do think that that was a big factor into her success, among other things, obviously. But then as myself and like others on the team, like when it clicked, that's also when some success came. So I think you're right. We called her Zona, you know, she, she lived in Arizona. That's right. And uh, she, she came to us as a catcher, you know, she was catchy. She caught the gold championship game as a freshman for the Arizona Hot Shots. And that's, I, I'd already heard about her. So I watched her catch that game. And so she came to our team originally as a catcher. And then I saw her take a ground ball. The very first ground ball that I saw her take, I, I thought, oh my gosh, like, she is like an amazing field. She has no idea like how good of an infielder she's going to be. And uh, there was one Sunday, you know, again, her drive back home was what, seven hours. And uh, again, this is the other part, strongest memories or memories of her is asking her if she wanted to go home early on a Sunday, right? So, you know, go ahead and miss the last game, the third one on Sunday, get on the road earlier. And she pulls me aside and she goes, Tony, is my mom or dad telling you that I'm not doing my homework or something. She goes, please stop asking me to leave early. She, I came to your team for a reason. Please stop asking me to leave early. I want to stay to the end. I get my homework done in the car. And unless you're being told something, I don't appreciate it. And again, she was like talking at me. And I just, again, I'm trying to be respectful of her journey. And she's like, look, I know what I signed up for. So that's enough of that. I'm getting what I need. And then, you know, the rest is kind of history. So now she's like uh, hooking up the whole Western United States with 
like high internet or something with Google. So now she's she's taking her game to another level altogether, right? I know she's a big deal. She's a mom of two. Like it, yeah. She's she's doing an all star awesome. on and off the field for sure. Her and Nolan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Her and Nolan. Um, he was always really funny at our games too. He would kind of heckle the other team. It was pretty entertaining. <laughs> Yeah. back in the day he was a ball player too play, play baseball yep right? sure did sure did which i think is it's i always love talking to them because they're the type of people and i think you, i would put you guys in this category too where it's like you kind of leave the conversation and you're like motivated or you're inspired afterwards you know and those are the best kind of people yeah yeah absolutely so holly was saying you know an hour might seem like a kind of long and i said no once the conversation's good the hour seems very very <laughs> short you know it goes by very very fast True. I'm a newbie. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just like, you know, your classes, you said they're 90 minutes, right? It's like they probably fly by for you because that's what you, you love it. You know, you know, you get into it. Yeah. And we do this every every night with the classes. We write down a couple of topics we do, but then we just kind of ad lib wing it, fill the room. But it's 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 really how we get it in the pocket and adjust to what's in front of us. And I think it kept, keeps it fresh for the students as well, too, because they don't know really which way we're going to take things. And uh, so it's a lot of fun. Plus, I'm not really capable of sticking to a script or any type of outline. So I'm best kind of all over the place. Yeah, it's an understatement. <laughs> well, I'm the type where I like have to prepare because that's how I feel good. Like we said, you have to feel good to, to play good, mm-hmm. play good to win, right? But it doesn't mean I'll stick to everything I prepared, but I just feel good about having that foundation, you know, and then when we get into it, I guess it's like a game, isn't it? It's like you can do all that preparation, but then you make the adjustments and figure it out in the moment. Yeah. I like to use the analogy of a band too. So in a band, you've got a rhythm guitar player who's keep everything on track and there's a very consistent boom, 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 right? And then you've got the lead guitar player that's kind of going crazy within that structure. And so there's the rhythm guitar player. I'm kind of all over the place, but together it makes it because one by itself, a rhythm guitar only or a lead player, it just, they complement each other really well to kind of put the whole thing together. So it's been a lot of fun. Definitely eases my anxiety having someone like that. Cause I'll show you like, so my notebook and I have like all my freaking notes, all my notes, sorry, all my notes, like for every class, I have to be like very prepared just to have my head wrapped around what we're going to talk about. And on the very rare occasion that I'm not super. There's mine. It's just mine scribble. Yeah. On the very rare occasion that I'm not super like prepared and I come in and I'm like, I'm stressing a little bit. I feel like I'm not prepared for class. He's like, I got it. I got it. It's fine. We'll figure it out. I got it. And I'm like, okay. And then she (laughs) jumps jumps in and she does great. So it's been a lot of fun. Like I said, well, that's like the perfect combo. It's like what you want in like a battery, for example, too, like the balancing act of the personalities. That's why catchers, I'm sure you guys agree. They deserve all the love. Let me tell you, (laughs) like, the amount of, of things that they manage, personalities, pitchers, mental stuff, all of it. They're incredible. I was just explaining to one of our catchers that the success of our catchers in the past hasn't just been because of their talent. It's their ability to manage the pitchers, create a relationship, the battery. You know, as a lot of players don't even realize that where that, you know, how that term applies to softball and uh, really the relationships that they build. And so, again, they become invaluable to the operation once there's more than just catching and receiving. So. I very much agree. Totally. I've, I've heard people say like, you know, there's a circle around the pitcher for a reason. Um, and I think that's very true. Yeah. I think there's a little crazy in all of us and anyone I've taught, like Daniel Laurie agree, you know, anyone I talk to, you're like, yeah, no pitcher. I, I think would deny that part, but the catcher is like the ultimate balance, but you're both pitchers. 
right? Like at heart and in your past experience. So how would you describe like your relationship with each other? We've obviously gotten a glimpse, but how would you guys describe it? You can go with that one. (laughs) Well, I would say that I'm definitely... Nobody uh, talks to him the way that I talk to him. I don't think anybody else really puts him in his place. And we have a certain comfort zone, like really quick story. But to go back, it was like three or four years ago. I made these custom lineup cards and (laughs) (laughs) he didn't ask me to do it. I did it. I'm like, you know what? I'm writing the lineup. It'd be easier if I had all the the girls on there, the roster, everything. So I made, and they looked awesome. I did it on my own. Like, okay, say thank you. So... He, he looks at it and he's like examining it and he goes, mind you, I'm the one who writes the lineup. Like he, he dictates it to me, but I'm actually physically writing it. And he's yeah. like, uh, that line looks like it's 11.75. It needs to be 12. It like started critiquing 0.25 inches of the lineup card that I made out of the kindness of my heart <laughs> on my own time. And he's not even using it. And then he walks away. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like this was <laughs> Like I knew him all that well, and I was like, it, I, it was like steaming. I was so mad about it, and I just like, you know, I didn't say anything, didn't know him that well, whatever. So we go um, to Florida for a tournament, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna say something to him about it, <laughs> and I kind of called him out on it. This was months later. I called him out on it. And I said, I have something to t- to tell you. <laughs> and I, ever since then, it kind of opened up this door of honest communication. Always respectful, but definitely honest communication where I don't think he gets that really from anyone else. But I think it's definitely entertaining for other people to watch. Um, The girls definitely laugh a lot about it. And in class, too, I think our dynamics kind of uh, funny. But (laughs) my learned response to that would be, I was definitely wrong. I should have recognized how hard you worked on that. And I should have refrained from saying anything. (laughs) <laughs> that was in my mind other than so I, I would say uh chemistry I, I think holly and i have a chemistry that it just you know again sometimes it's there sometimes it's not but it just has been there since you know again i would say even just from that particular experience but it's always kind of been there and there's just a lot of like i love when i can give the ball to somebody right so i've always been kind of in my own space and things like that and it's sometimes it's hard to find someone that can take the ball and run with it and some people don't like to give up the ball they like they want the ball all the time i really enjoy other success and so to have a peer in this industry that can take the ball and then there's we complement each other because we're different you know in a lot of ways it it provides for some pretty interesting conversations on life and different things like that um but it's i think chemistry is the is the word that i would use to describe and i think if people kind of watch us online and things like that they you might be able to see that, but there's a mutual love and respect for each other that I think is, again, very, very uh, important because then for whatever we do have to work out, whether it's even just talking about the business, right? So how do we, because to use even the lineup card as a, as an example, how are you going to speak about something when there's a difference of opinion? You don't knock things down. You know, it's just, you recognize things you try to kind of meet in the middle. And then you also have to understand when it's like, this is where you are better than me. So mm. you make ultimately the decision on that and it's just best in your hands. So I think so far, you know, we've, we've come a long way and we're pretty excited about where this might be going. So, Yeah. Well, I'm excited to watch you guys, but I, I, the part of the reason I ask is because I think it's important, right? Like you guys are emulating some of these lessons too, like between the two of you and how oh, you guys operate as a team, right? And then you're 
athletes will see that, um, not just what you're teaching them in, you know, in the actual curriculum and all that stuff, but just by example too. And I think that's really important for all coaches. I think that players appreciate the vulnerability. They, they want to know that you're, you're confident in what you do, obviously, and that you're, you know, your, your capabilities are there, but I think that they appreciate vulnerability and human moments rather than coming off like you're infallible and you know everything. You're, you're just fooling yourself. Plus, this is the wrong game to be involved in if you act like you know everything because this game exposes everybody, you know, more often than not. So 100%. Keeps you humble. I think also, like you mentioned, but we coach travel ball together as well. So we're in the facility here teaching several days a week. We're in the week on the weekends. We're coaching on the field together. Um, I mean, anybody who spends that much time around each other and, and traveling for sure, like during COVID, we couldn't play in California. So we were, you know, flying to Texas, uh, flying to, you know, Arizona and places like that. You definitely get closer with people and start to um, really, I think for us, develop a trust and and with one another um, because we got to know each other so well, you know, in different aspects of the game and different aspects of life. Yeah. Well, your teammates at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Very much. I, listen, I would love to keep talking to you guys all day long because like I said, it's been good to catch up with you, Holly, and good to get to know you more too, sure. Tony, and just the personal connections. But I also knew that this would just be super like interesting and that I would learn a lot too. Um, but to, yeah, to respect your time though, we can um, wrap up with this game that I play with everybody that I have on the show. Um, it's called Safer Out. And basically what I'll do is I'll bring up a topic. And if you like it or you agree with it, you'll call it safe. If you don't, then you'll call it out. Make sense? Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the first one, and whoever wants to answer first, feel free. But the first one is the card system for signals, you know, the armband and all that stuff versus the traditional way that signals were communicated. Safe or out? Safe. Uh, respectfully to everyone that uses it, but for myself, we don't use it, so out. Interesting. Wait, I'm confused on the game. I thought <laughs> you said safe. Safe or out if like you, agree, you like safe, it? Safe, 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 safe as you like it. Yeah, safe as if you like it. Out. Okay. Wait a minute if we want to talk about it. Okay. Out. Oh, no, no. All right. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Out. Yeah. I'm kind of similar. Consuming. Yeah. So what's what like high level reason why for you guys you're out on it? I just, we used it um, at, when I was coaching at Utah State and I felt like it just took too, I don't know. It took a lot of time. I feel like it was just like, and then, oh, you have the wrong card. We got to switch it out. It was just, you know, I think, um, I definitely think picking signs is a part of the game um, and it's, you know, it can be great strategy, um, but I, I don't know. I just feel like you can do other signs that aren't pickable. I don't know. That's yeah. Just me. Yeah. I think it's good for people that don't have the background in signs that might not have that, you know, kind of evolution sure. and they do need to communicate as, so they might be getting, uh, you know, their information, uh, Picked by the other team. So for myself personally, I kind of like the cat and mouse game of disguising signs if somebody is trying to pick them, but not everyone has that. So right. like I said, for people out there, I totally get it just for myself. No, thank you. Yeah. Not I, yet. Anyway. 
I think I agree with you guys. I, I agree too, Holly. I think it adds, like the games are getting longer and I do think it's like takes time to look at it. Then, you know, everyone's looking at it too, the whole field oftentimes. And it's, it's a whole, mm-hmm. it's a whole thing. Okay, cool. I thought I was just like super old school or like, I didn't know. Cause I feel like most people use it. So I feel validated now <laughs> by you guys. Would, would you say that's the same? Or if I can ask you safer out on the ear communication that's taking place to where they're pushing buttons and it's going into the ear, same thing. I guess it's a similar concept, right? It's a, it's just like theoretically making the communication more efficient. I kind of like the skill set, though, of your point, like to kind of having to make it this almost code, right? But yeah. um, right. and it feels like it's easy. It's like almost too easy, which sounds silly because aren't we supposed to try to make things easier on players? But I'm like, oh, you're just telling them what to do. I don't know. I feel like there's less. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's been fun to watch a major leaguer sit there and go, huh, I can't hear. I can't hear it. Like either the crowd's too loud. So even it's still working its way out. So yeah, definitely. Definitely part of the future. Yeah. And maybe at some point we'll, we'll all get used to it. But for now, I guess we all agree. <laughs> okay. Well, that was the first one. Second one is related, but coaches calling pitches versus players, like meaning coaches calling them so players don't. Safer out. I'm going to say safe, but that to me, it's not like a hundred percent. I, as a pitcher, love it when a catcher calls a game. Yeah. I mean, there's just like, you know, there's certain flow and rhythm you get into with your catcher. But with that being said, I think that, you know, obviously with scouting reports and all that kind of stuff, it's, um, there's information in the dugout that the catcher's not necessarily privy to in the moment. Right. Ideally out because I believe that when the catcher is capable, the catcher is closer to the batter. She can sense things. She can feel things that I can't from the dugout. Even at our in travel ball, all the dugouts are different distances from home plate. Yeah. And that's a big part of it for myself. Mm. But also, you know, again, to use the analogy, we don't want someone driving the car that doesn't know how to drive. So there's an integration of kind of showing them, allowing them some autonomy. <clears throat> and bottom line is your team has to be functioning at its highest level, whatever that takes. But ideally speaking, definitely out. I'd like uh, to see catchers call the games and be capable of doing that. Best case scenario. That would that's best case scenario for me. But you know, yeah. not always. I I think I agree with you guys. You've hit on both sides of it, right? It's like, well, there's a lot of information that the coaches have from all of the info that is out there now, and the analytics and things like that, charting, all that stuff. But the catcher also has some visibility that the coaches don't, and that like there's both for sure. I just. I, I think it's a little bit of a lost art now to have a catcher call a game. And so I would like to see that make a little bit more of a comeback. Um, but yeah, so I, I think I, 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 love, I love to see when a major leaguer, you know, fouls off the first pitch and oh one count. Now the hitters thinking he's going to waste one and he takes a fastball right down the middle. Yeah. And the catcher looks at him like, you weren't looking for that. You know, that's that's the chess game, the cat and mouse that is just really, really fun to watch. Sometimes a hitter will go down looking on a fastball or something on the other half. They were just looking for something else. So they just walked back to the dugout. Not, not what I was looking for. So, right. you know, it's that whole cat and mouse game I think is really fun to experience. It's like that game within the game, the chess game that's going on. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Um, next one is name image likeness with college softball. So basically college players getting paid safer out. <laughs> I don't know. It's good for the sport. Like I, I, I'm, I'm very in the middle about it. I don't know. I don't, I, we can, can I say I'm in the we middle? can say video <laughs> review. Yeah. Video review on that one. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it just, um, I guess I'm gonna have to see how it kind of pans out because I think there's certain things that's good for, you know, 
historically, like women in sports and, and softball, we haven't had the kind of opportunities that men have had and the ability to make a career and, um, you know, support yourselves just through, you know, softball and the things surrounding softball, which I think is amazing. I'd like to see how it changes the sport. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure about that yet. Right. Like, yeah. um, I'm always very weary about anything that, you know, you don't know how it's going to change the sport or, you know, the, um, but I think generally, like, it's great that, that women are getting these opportunities to, um, you know, really make a career at this. Yeah. I'm 100% safe. I think it's a great idea. I think that, you know, there there are no high level, high paying professional uh, ranks for the young ladies to play during. Uh, and right now the opportunity, you don't really think this way, you know, even what, contrary to popular belief, like most of my life was living month to month and just being able to put food on the table. But once you are able to create a little prosperity through your own performance, your own brand, uh, how you, uh, how people feel when they're watching you play is almost like an entertainer, but the opportunity to provide for your families, the opportunity to provide for maybe your parents while they're sick, different things like that. Um, now it's got a long way to go, but also the opportunity to teach more at our level down here than just the game, right? So marketing classes, branding classes, like really get into that level of education. Um, because I think that the opportunities, and again, especially to empower young women. And if you look at the college world series, the, the highest ratings in our game, right now are college softball. Yep. And so that is where it's all kind of thriving right now. So I'm really super excited. It just, it, there's a long road ahead of it and there's going to be some ups and downs with it as we figure things out, but I'm all for it. Definitely safe on the NIL. Yeah. Like anything else, learning curve, we'll figure it out. There's probably more right ways to do it. Right. And there might be some like not so great ways to approach it, but that's, I guess, like anything else. Yeah. Football's going to show us that, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll learn from that. So. I think you're both right, though, in terms of for women specifically, women's sports. I think it'll be great yeah. because you actually see certain social media platforms like the top followed people or the top engaged with people are female athletes. And you're like, oh, that's that's awesome. You know, so now they can it might level the playing field a little bit, at least with men's sports. So, yep. Look at entertainment. Look at, you know, there's there's 12 and 14 year old actresses or actors, eight year olds, you know, that that America falls in love with. Right. So we always fall in love with with young uh, females for, you know, again, just the way that they are. And then look at the entertainment business. Look at singers, look at dancers, look at, you know, what they're doing and capitalizing. So if we incorporate that into the game itself, there's so much more than just how you're throwing and how you're swinging. It's it's how you're presenting yourself. And bottom line is that they're you, you infect these young ladies that are out there watching you play and now they want to be like you so do they want to be like you because you throw sidearm really well no <laughs> they want to be like you because of what they see and so i think it's just another area of performance and entertainment and i think that that's where softball is unique to even some of men's sports is that you can integrate things because you're not going to see baseball players you know hugging each other and dancing and doing the same the same things and it's just much more entertaining and i really appreciate the way the game's being played yeah yeah definitely absolutely Okay, well, last one is bat flips, safer out. I'm going to say safe. I haven't always felt this way. I was going to say, but... as a pitcher, safe. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to say out on that one only because I live most of my life always aware of how I'm affecting others. 
And so I would never want to do anything that would be interpreted as disrespectful. Now, if there was an understanding that as it is with uh, other countries that play ball is that it's a form of expression. They don't mean it that way. Yeah. Right. But I'm always very much into not just what I'm implying, but how it's inferred. So how people are taking something. And I, and I just think it's, it's uh, it has to be taken the right way. So I don't know, you know, if yeah. there's a coach out there going to have his players might want to talk to the other coach. Hey, we're going to bat flip, <laughs> but we mean no disrespect, you know, yeah. because it just can be perceived as something wrong. And, and there's enough division in our sport. I just think it would be a little bit hard, but I, I, it's it's very engaging and uh, it's definitely good for ratings. True. Yeah, I think that's that's why I would say safe was I mean personally not my style like i wasn't i was raised to play the game a certain way and you know that's it's not really my style but with all the softball on tv i think the entertainment value that it brings you know it's entertaining for the sport people are watching on tv and you know that in the big picture anything that you know makes the sport more entertaining on tv for viewers i think you know can't really go wrong when jazz rollins flipped the bat at arizona i think it was on a saturday and I don't think it went over too well. And then the next day she hit a home run and she just placed it on the <laughs> ground. And even, I don't know. So I'll be honest with you. I, I, I probably watched that three or four different times. So agree with it or not, it was uh, definitely worth watching. Yeah. I think that's the thing, right? It's like, yeah, it's kind of controversial, I guess. People are split on their opinions, but it gets you talking about it at the end of the day. So yeah. there's that. Absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, what awesome. about you? You know, for bat flips, I think I'm similar to you guys where I think like my initial reaction is out. Like that just wasn't my style. Not really what I was like there to be doing. Um, Not to say I judge anybody who does it because I think there's a difference too, right? Between if someone's like really in the moment and they just hit this massive like go ahead home run or like walk off that just won their team a huge game and you're just like very excited and energized and you do it. I think that's one thing. It's another thing if it's like, yeah, we're up like seven to nothing. You know, I just hit one and I'm kind of just doing it for my own ego. You know, I think there's like right. a spectrum. Boundary. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. exactly. I, I think we all agree it might not be our personal preference, but I respect what's happening within the game. Yeah. Well, there's nothing better than seeing somebody bat flip and then the ball hits the top of the fence <laughs> and they and then they get thrown out at second. We'll it's see. Kind of gratifying. That's the thing is like I, I hit home runs in college, but it wasn't like my bread and butter. So for me, I'm like, I don't know if there might have been like twice where I felt like I knew it was going out. You know what I mean? To where I'd even feel like in a place to do something like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're hustling the second base. not knowing. Yeah. I'm like, I'm out of the box. Like I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to get extra bases. I didn't know it'd be all four, you know. <laughs> Anyway, thank you both for for doing this. Really appreciate it. I'm I really really enjoyed it too. I hope you guys did too. And I love everything that you guys are doing. You've already done a lot in the game, and I got to witness that. And I'm still getting to witness you guys do even more. So thank you. Thank you for having. Appreciate us. Jenna. We just ask people, you know, again, if they're curious, check out the Range Pitching Academy online. Uh, the social media aspect, the Instagram, Holly's always kind of keeping that up to date. Don't check out Facebook. I'm kind of doing that. There's not much going on with that one. <laughs> um, but then we've got a, an online academy that we just released as well, too. And again, it's just really trying to provide access to this point of view. It's all based on, I mean, I grew up throwing rocks at a can. This is a bottle, right? So my target practice was just, you know, taking rocks at the end of the driveway and throwing it at things. And it was interesting how, how it was applied to a higher level of playing the game. But it's something very, very simple. It's something that pitchers can do 
on their own. They don't even need a catcher. Uh, they just basically one ring and a couple of balls and you're basically on your way. So it's a simple charting system. So check it out. But our intention is really to just, as Holly said, revolutionize the way people are seeing the game. Uh, most, of, most of these players that don't understand their value. And so we're just really, really excited to want to be able to help as many people as we can. Super good to see your friends, Gravy. I know, you too, Holly. And we will include links to everything um, in like the description and the episode and all that good stuff so people can access it super easily and get to absorb even more than just this like little over an hour conversation that we had. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Thank you. I can't tell you how cool it was to connect with these two after all of these years. And it was just another full circle moment, which you know is my favorite. And I also learned a lot, though. And I hope that you did too. So with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about doing things with integrity. I think when we think about what integrity is, we basically think about doing the right thing, you know, being honest, having strong morals. I think that's true. But to me, to do something with integrity also means to do it fully. So, you know, Holly talked about going all in. Tony talked about putting the work in. And to do those things, you can't cut corners. There really is no replacement for putting in the work. So it's not to say that we shouldn't be on the lookout for efficiency and in ways that we can be more efficient. I'm all about that. I hate when there's duplicate work or unimpactful work because it just it doesn't get us any closer to our goals or growing the game for that matter. But there is a difference between being efficient and cutting corners. And if integrity does mean honesty, that it means giving it an honest effort. Two, if you commit to something, commit to it. Honestly, like even if you don't hit the goal, if you have fully committed to it, you're not going to have regrets because you know you gave it your all and you're also bound to learn something along the way too. I'll give you an example. Not everybody knows this, but I actually tried out to be a WWE superstar a few years back. And, I, you know, for context, because I'm sure that's like wild news to some of you. It was really because I felt like it combined all the things that I liked and was good at, you know, athletics, public speaking and broadcasting, storytelling, and actually giving back as well as a big part of what they did. So I went for it. My strength and conditioning coach from college, Brandon, made me a training program. I watched the shows each week to see how they did it. And I studied the content that they had shared, showing what past tryouts looked like, just everything, everything you can do to prep. I went to the tryout at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, and I just put it all out there. And in the end, I didn't ultimately get a contract and become a WWE superstar, but I felt good about what I did. I got in the best shape of my life, even better than college, if you can believe that. And I learned that I could get back to that place because that was something I just, I didn't know, like in my post-athlete world after finishing my softball career, like what that would look like. But I also built new relationships and I even got another opportunity out of it to audition as an announcer, which is a whole other story. But the point is, if I had cut corners and just didn't do it with integrity, didn't give it my all, none of that would have happened. And I just would have wasted my time and their time. Because when we go all in and put the work in, like Holly and Tony said, that is when good things happen. So that's it. Do things with integrity. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, part of the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, including Believe.com, and you can watch the videos on YouTube too. Subscribe, rate, and if you liked it, write a review for the show. Appreciate your support. Always want to know what you think. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V. 
You can always reach out to me on Twitter at JennaBacera01 and Instagram at JennaBacera as well. As always, thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.